Okay, welcome to Next Steps, the podcast. Uh, this, welcome to our Tuesday session. We often talk about our Sunday and, and the sermon and what we want to just keep discussing about that. But as we start off, we want to make an acknowledgement of country and we acknowledge and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. So welcome to the um, Next Steps podcast. And we've got, you will have heard Grace in the background, which is um, she's currently sucking on the chair leg down on the floor, so, which is great. And we, we love having you here um, as, as well, Emily. So, so we've got Paul, Emily and Matt. And last Sunday we talked about um, tithes and offerings and what it means as a Christian, what the Bible asks of us with our tithing and, and offerings. So it's an interesting one. Um, for us all to work through together. So we, we did a questions and answers session during church. We want to go back to some of those and actually talk through them a bit longer. But but Matt, you started off with the sermon talking about generosity and humans are built for generosity. Uh, is there anything you want to elaborate on that or, or just to get us started? Yeah, well, I, I think I went into this sermon, this message, knowing that it's a little confronting because it's not complicated mm-hmm. that, that ultimately God invites us to be generous people and as part of that uh, our tithe um, uh, is a kind of a, a practice to get us into the habit of it it isn't the end of it and our time is meant to be an experiment we're meant to be ready to give our our time and I I was just left with uh, a sense that, well, I think I, I, I finished actually by using the quote from Martin Luther King. I think it felt like it, he nailed why this is so important. He said, if today's church doesn't recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century, and I think it's safe to assume that that's we can carry that over to the 21st century quite comfortably. That at the heart of the question for the church is: Are we about us, or because we love God, are we about others and the needs around us, and uh, are we trying to build up our little empire? Are we willing to give? And I, I love that at the heart of our faith is generosity the picture of jesus who gave his life and invites us to be willing to to give our lives in response to that mm. um, so mm. so it, it's it feels like it's a it was it was a fairly uh, at one level it wasn't that an emotional message but it was a little bit confronting because it was mm. the sort of thing you're either doing or you're not and, and, and it was very measurable yeah and there's a couple of traps we can fall into. One of them is legalism and actually rather than making a tithe a act of worship, we can actually make it just the, you know, the rules of tithing and, and actually compliance and all that sort of stuff. And it ends up just feeling like a, a God tax. Um, so one trap is that we make it legalistic. Um, yeah. And on the other side, I, th- I think another trap is that we, um, we become judgmental. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's a few traps to fall into here. Simple, oh, yeah. simple, simple message. And it's interesting. All the questions really were about the money side of it, but I, 
I think it's about both our time and our money. Mm. Uh, in Timothy, it says, "I didn't. I, this was meant to say this. I didn't get time to say it on Sunday." One Timothy six: Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He goes on and says, "Command them to do good." to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. So it's, I think this conversation is both about our money and about our time. And what, what I was trying to say is really they're the major things you can make choices about, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. And, and I started the conversation by saying your really probably your calendar or how you spend your time and your bank account, how you spend your money, are the most accurate predictors of, or most accurate measures rather of whether Jesus is actually Lord of your life or not, mm. whether he is influencing your decisions. That's why I said it's, it's a little confronting because it is, uh, it's quite measurable. Mm. And I thought maybe just for a sec, are there any Bible verses that inspire us in this topic or any Christian values that, that get behind us on this one? Are you asking me or everybody? Uh, everyone, yeah. I, lo- I like the um, the cheerful giver. Uh, I mm. think that's key. To, I think that's key to the whole thing, you know. Like, and that's and that's the bit that doesn't make it legalistic is because you've got to want to do it from your heart, mm. and God wants you to do it from your heart. He doesn't really want it if it isn't from your heart. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what Jesus was taking on with the the Pharisees, with their focus on the tithing, getting legalistic. They're saying you're missing the heart of it. You're missing the point of it. Yeah, and he says, "Can you see that woman there who's just putting a small mite in the collection? She's given yeah. more." Yeah, absolutely. I think the the verse I kept, I kept coming back to too was the where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Mm. Yeah, where you make your investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also got the um, the thing of seek seek God and all his seek God the kingdom and all his righteousness, and then everything will be added to you. And so the other trap we've got is the prosperity doctrine. That that's another side that worries me. That if I give to God, He will bless me, um, because this verse does say that if you seek God with everything, then everything will be added to you. Have you guys got anything to say about that side of it? That, that trap as well. I, I I do because actually I think it's true, but not in a prosperity doctrine way, which is really <laughs> it's true. It's not really like hard to explain. Like for me, when I'm really honest with God and my giving and my offering in both time and and money is on the ball, for want of a better term, I find that I never. Let's see. I've got, so I never need anything. I might still want for something, but I never need anything. So God has always taken care of my needs mm. when I've been honest about giving God the first fruits and honest about giving God the time. Mm. Mm. I find it so true, but it's still easy to fall out of that at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not necessarily money rewards, though. It's not. Not. It's not like I'll give it them a hundred dollars and. Down the track, I'll get two hundred back. It's not. It's not like that. It's just no. God has got your your needs under control. Your wants is a different story, but He's got your needs under control. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the prosperity gospel says give to God so you can get what your ego wants. And I think this is saying give to God so your ego can gradually be shaped so it, it can want what God wants. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it's about changing us, not about us changing God, I think. Mm. That's a good way of putting it, Matt. Nice. Aligning with God's will again. Yeah, we, we had that last week as well, I think, when we were talking about listening to God. Yeah, our worship continues to bring him back to him. Hmm. My, my wife and I lived on, um, we, we call it gift income. Some Christians call it living by faith. I think we all live by faith or are all called to live on by faith, whether we're on an income or not. So I don't like that phrase, but, but we lived on gift income for 11 years, I think it was, or 13. And um, it, one of the things we lived by was that it, when we felt like we didn't have enough money to contribute back to the kingdom, that's when it was most important to continue giving. Um, so we lived by the value of um, it didn't matter how much money we had or didn't have, that, that the tithe was our first fruit and that would go back to God. And he was so faithful. Um, yeah, and, and I really, we tested him out for a decade and he came through on that one. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a bunch of questions and I think they're worth talking through. From We, we did a questions and answer session. Um, there were some really easy ones. So let's do a few speed ones. You ready? Um, have you got your buzzers ready? <laughs> whoever calls out a, you have to make a noise, but whoever calls that noise gets to answer first. Okay. For, the, for those who are um, uh, listening or, or watching and weren't with us on Sunday, uh, we actually got people to write in questions on a on an app thing, and so we got I think eight or nine questions about mostly about the financial side of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we might have a few questions after that as well. If we've got some time. Yeah. Okay, so first question: Should tithe be before tax or after? Okay, before. Before it's, it's first fruits, it's not like first fruits minus the government to share. It's first fruits. Yep. Okay. Great. Uh, sorry, yeah. Matt's looking puzzled at that one. Yeah, no, I, I'm open to that. I'm, I'm. I think I'm just like an argument could be made. It's the money over which you have choice. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So you then it would be if that was true, it would be the ten percent of the money that you can actually make choices about, and then ten percent of whatever tax return you get. So that would that would be an argument you could make, I think. And then don't yeah. include that in your tax deductibility giving. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's an argument you could make, but you could also argue from if you if you're being like that, you could also argue that if I minimise my tax through various schemes then you know like with your know, taxes are arbitrary anyway so it's to me it's first it's not it's not like it's not like the old testament example is ah, oh, give me your best of your first flock fruits and that but you can take out and bit and give to the government first it's just give me your best and then the government still the tax collectors still existed then and they still took taxes but it was still always give me your first fruits mm -hmm. Em, do you have like a principle about this? Or do you... I thought that was a really good point because we've just been watching The Chosen and then it's the tax collectors and stuff. So I guess you could say they did pay tax back then and it was probably in a way higher. 
Uh, one big takeaway that I found coming home and thinking about it for about a day, I was chatting with Sam about it and I was like, how how nitty-gritty do you get about it? Like about the amount and about the before or after the gross and like how specific to the decimal point do we need to be? Um, and then I had two thoughts, like, uh, do I just do what I'm felt and um, what I feel is right and if my heart's feeling good and God's not challenging me, do I just leave it the way it is? Or are we too complacent and just kind of not following it strictly enough in this generation? I didn't come up with an answer, but that's just where my thoughts were at this morning. Yeah. And I feel like with a bunch of these questions, we'll, we'll have a basic principle of where we arrive for the answer to these with subtle differences. And so hmm. if, if you're, you you might be able to find comments below and you could actually put your own answers to some of these questions in the comments below under the, under the podcast. We'd love to hear some other opinions. You'll Absolutely. hear there's a general feel of where we're getting to without a legalistic thou shalt um, in it. But, yeah, work it through. Okay, next question. You ready for this? Hmm. Oh, um, hang on. Can we just go back to Emily? Uh, it's just I'm intrigued. Um, so you, you didn't actually get, to a conclusion or are you still working on the conclusion in your head or oh i was just like am i being too airy fairy about it do i need to be stricter or am i worrying too much about being so specific to the decimal point which uh, is if I'm, if I'm if i'm honest the way i've looked at it in the previous and when i i've looked at these as based on gross you've and i divided because my income's a bit variable which i know is a later question but I divided, worked out my yearly salary gross was going to be this, divided by 52, and that's what I did. That was the minimum I would put in. But you see, the, the point is the tithe's an example, and but we mm. talk about tithes and offering, which Matt, Matt talked about too. So the tithe is the example set in the Old Testament. Then Jesus goes and says, yes, you've got to do the tithe and you've got to do offerings as well. So to me, it's sort of a, a minimum, but it's not super legalistic at that time. Mm. Yeah, I think when it becomes an upper bar, that that's when it becomes a problem. Like, if, like, and for some people, it, it's a big stretch to talk about ten percent. Um, but that was never the, in, the intent was never that it was going to be an upper bar, where you give ten percent and no more. Uh, and also, uh, I think you're getting too stressed about it isn't helpful. But certainly, I don't think it's. It, Knowing whether you're giving a tenth, a tithe is a good thing to know. Mm -hmm. That's to actually and have reached a principle by which you make the decision and agreed and like, like and 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 when you're married, it's for you and Sam to agree about that. And that's that's another question we mm -hmm. will come to and uh, with this as well. Another great question. Yeah, and just. Quick pause from the the other questions is how would you define so Matt we'll go for you on this one how would you define the difference between tithe and offering? We sometimes uh, use words interchangeably. Yeah, well, certainly in the Old Testament, uh, the uh, uh, tithe was the first fruits, the first ten percent, and then you had a whole raft of different offerings that were presented for different things, uh, and. And they would be brought to the temple, or um, you give a gift to somebody you are visiting, or whatever. And uh, certainly, the uh, I, I think the generally accepted translation of that in the New Testament into our day would be that the tithe is the the first 
that, that's still that first 10%, which uh, I, even in preparing for this sermon, I've had to wrestle with, you know, my own take on all this and how it works. Uh, but then your offerings are above that. Uh, what what you give to uh, in in and above that to other things. Yeah. So that that would be my my working definition at the moment. Paul, is that close to yours? Yeah, no, that's mine. Is um, yeah, tithe is sort of the minimum threshold, and then offerings on top of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what Matt said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly what he said. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. the tides, like what you were saying on Sunday, they're your local church thing. Whereas yeah, offerings can be more generalized, you know, sponsor kids, charities, um, like some other family working in another country. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, I, and I think we're going to come to that because I think it's been something I've, in, even in this last week, you've had to fight and wrestle about. Hmm. Just that, uh, but the, the short answer to that is yes, but it takes a bit of conversation and, and like i said ultimately the question is is jesus lord of your finances and if you feel like jesus is actually saying to do something else if it's what's jesus saying no worries let him be in charge you just i think often though people will want to do something else not because jesus is telling them just because it's easier or they don't feel like they can afford something or whatever or That's personal connection or yeah all yeah, sorts yeah. Of Let's let's go for that question now. One question was, um, you got your buzzers ready? Uh, does money I give to charities count as part of my tithe? Um, I'll go first. I don't believe it does. That's my personal opinion. Um, I do like Matt's, I suppose, one of the better term, get out of jail card-free with it. Um, if God's really telling you to do something else with it, I, I can't argue with you. I, it, it's between you and God. So... That, that is also okay, but the way I've been taught and the way that sits comfortable in my heart is that the first 10% is like looking after the synagogue, which I, did you talk, you talked about that on Sunday, didn't you, Matt? Where the, yeah. Where, where, you know, like the 10 people need to start a synagogue, they only gave a tenth of their income, so the person had the average income. So to me, that's the clearest example of the first 10% should go to the church because that's our nearest translation of the synagogue. And um, and then your offerings is where you, God places that thing on your heart to go, oh, wow, I've, I've done, the, I've done my, the right thing by God because that's what God asked us to do. But God also wants me to do this, and that's where you have that conversation with God. Like for me, I suppose my offering part or the extra parts are a sponsor child and some missionaries I sponsor. So, but I, I personally never go, that's part of my time, but I know other people do. And I, yes, between them and God is how I'd, I'd land the conversation. Hmm. I would challenge them, but it's still between them and God. Hmm. And Paul did challenge me last week uh, about this. We had, we had a, a fairly intense discussion. Uh, and I went away and I saw some things I hadn't seen before. Because up, up till now, I've been, I've been pretty good at uh, tithing. In the, well, for the last 10 years or so, we've been... I, net, net banking makes such a difference to me. So I can just set it and work out what things are. And, but as part of that, I've been giving to uh, missionary, missionaries, a couple of different missionaries. To, um, and I have seen, so half my tithe in my mind had been going to the local church uh, 
and half had been going to missionaries. Mm. And part of the reason for that is I used to work with a mission organisation. What we used to say is we are part of the church. Um, and that's, I think, true. Uh, but uh, as I was doing the work in preparation for the sermon, and I, and I, you know, Paul, I pushed back with Paul last week as he was saying what he's just saying there, uh, I realised that there, there was actually much clearer teaching in the New Testament about tithing than I had initially thought. Uh, it just doesn't say the word tithing. And, and for me, a, a key verse in it mm. is uh, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 13 to 14. Now, that is in light of the initial verse that says uh, about tithing. Uh, we get uh, in the... Um, in Numbers, where in Numbers 18, where he said, God says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in turn for the work they do while serving in the tent of meeting. Part of the other important thing for the tithe that was given to the priests was also to care for the widows and orphans and, and that kind of thing as well. But uh, Paul actually quotes um, 1 Corinthians 9. He says he's quoting the principle of tithing where he says, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? And then he says, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So he is saying that, uh, he's not using the word tithing, but he is saying that uh, that the, 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 for the church, which was now becoming a, a slightly separate to the temple and giving money to the temple, uh, in the church, those who are ministering in the church should receive their wages. And it, this actually comes through in a, a number of different places. I saw it again in Galatians today, uh, where uh, the, the support, they, they should be supported by the church. And so I, I think... Uh, I. I I, I used to push back a bit when people used to say the Malachi verse was this because uh, the Malachi where God says bring the tithe into the storehouse. And I used to say, well, yeah, that's the temple and things are different. Well, actually, as I'm reading what Paul's saying there, I feel like God's giving me a bit of kick up the bum, and uh, and sort of saying, no, well, that is actually that is actually the church Paul's talking about, your local church. That's the I think I think that's what Paul's saying there, and I think that does translate to the local church. And so you can hear in my voice, I've, I've had to wrestle with this as part of this and, mm. and I'm still wrestling with it because um, it is, it, I, I think I might have to change my practices with tithing mm. as a result of teaching this sermon, which is a shame because I like to teach things that I have sorted out rather than that challenge me. But there you go. <laughs> I'm only joking about that. Yeah. And then one one of the things is that we get Paul Paul's heading to Jerusalem, who were going through a severe famine, and he get and takes money from the church up in the north, up near Asia, near Turkey area, and um, takes a load of money down to Jerusalem because they were suffering. I think that was a gift from the church. Yeah, Not it was the individuals of the it church. It wasn't individuals; it was the collections from the church. Uh, it's not clear whether that comes out of a tithe or an offering. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. not, uh, but there was a called a special collection. 
but absolutely the the church is caring for the widows and the and the, those who are in need you see that in acts too when the they mm. divvy up the uh the role of apostles great and i've got a yeah. lot of friends in different mission organizations who will be really concerned to hear this kind of discussion as well yeah. But, yeah. but can i also add, add to that though like i I firmly believe, you know, I've got the belief that the tithe goes to the church, but the church is also responsible for supporting missionaries. So yeah. it's not like it's not going to go to those who are doing God's work. It's just the route it takes to doing God's work. Because as a local church, we've appointed spiritual leaders to oversee certain parts of the church. And and if we can't, tr and I, I've always, I'm always challenged by this, we probably have more trouble trusting these people who've appointed to be spiritual elders with the money we have rather than anything else that we do and it's and, and it always comes back to you know what you, what you can control but i firmly believe that you know we need to trust the the people we've spiritually played for and elected as as members of our you know eldership team or whatever you want to call it the leadership team to actually make those decisions and and that's why i also believe in the tithe to the church what do you think em yeah. I was challenged by this because when they asked the question in church, I was sitting there thinking, well, not the like the little bits and pieces and charity events you go through, but my consistent sponsor kids I'd always thought were a part of my giving. And then the table behind me were like, no, no. And I went, oh, oh, I'll just guess. Um, and then I started to think when I got home, well, does that mean that um, in order to give more locally, should I cease my private sponsor child children mm -hmm. because we have a bunch at church but then i also said to sam i feel super awkward doing that so maybe i just need to wait until they graduate and then um and do it then mm. but yes yeah. that was i mean look i mean experienced and it challenged me i hadn't really thought about it a lot uh, yeah, yeah well see i i because i ministered in a mission organization this is my, where i come from i had i had a fair bit of experience but i just had a different view and I had felt really comfortable with my view until I had to do this study and Paul challenged me the other day and I thought, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I do need to look at this a bit. And, and I think what Paul's saying is it, it's interesting, isn't it, because trust is a big deal and, and trusting that the leaders of the church will invest the money in the kingdom in the right way, even if I... Because we like being able to make decisions for ourselves, we like, and 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 it doesn't also it also doesn't mean that you don't sponsor a kid. Like it do, it doesn't mean, it, it it may mean that that's on top of the tithe, which is that's interesting. That's because because again that's where it starts to eat into your household budget, and so mm -hmm. so so like I said, it's it, it it's a complicated conversation because it does ask very tangible things of people, even the person who was teaching the sermon on the Sunday. Hmm. Yeah. Paul, Paul doesn't think it's complicated. He's got it straight. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I understand why it's complicated because it took me a long time to get to that point. Trust me, it took me a long time to get to that yeah. point. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, it's a bit like, you know, a tithe is 10% or no, a tithe of 1% will do to start off with. And then over time you build it up and it's just, just one of those things that happen and and like i said i, I feel comfortable with 
what God's showed me in that. And other and as Matt said, other people might feel comfortable different yeah. ways, but hmm. but this is where we go back to, you know, trusting what the Bible says and the general interpretation of the Bible and you know, not the outlier interpretation of the Bible and and, and you know, and Matt's found more passages than I could actually recall on tithing. So, you know, well done, Matt. <laughs> yeah. So, Emily, next question. Is, is giving my time rather than money enough? Is one of the questions. I don't yeah. think it's um, enough to just give time. I think both are important. And, again, it is a, it's such a personal thing. And I think that's why Sunday it, it's an awkward topic because it's, sensitive to people and it's personal and income and money i mean my granddad's always said that's not something you talk to just anyone about like you don't mm -hmm. get your bank statement out and have this big open conversation with someone you just met you keep that quite like close to the vest um, mm -hmm. and what you choose to do with it is between you and god but then i thought oh well do we need to discuss it a little bit more than we do because we might be a bit misguided or mm -hmm. you know still learning as we just pointed out they're both really important and I think it's depending on your life stage and what, I was also thinking to myself a minute ago, when do you start and how early do you get your kids to start tithing and that's also yeah. part of your income too but, you know, they're still little and... Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't I didn't mention this on Sunday. I wanted to. There's a whole lot of things I wanted to say. But um, we, we've got into this guy called the Barefoot Investor. Yeah, yeah. And he actually recommends teaching your kids to give 10%. Mm. It's, he's part of his, his mm. he, he doesn't profess to be a Christian anyway, but he just says this is the right principle in teaching your kids about money mm. and yeah. giving them jars to put their money in and sort of stuff. And, and, he, and he talks about how it's important to leave a legacy and be, be generous with your money. And, mm. and, and, and uh, anyway, so, that, so yeah, I think teaching your kids to tithe. And it's interesting talking to Sophie, my daughter, who kind of just assumes and she, she keeps saying to some of her friends who, who don't understand the tithing, she was a bit surprised they didn't understand tithing meant 10% and that and 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 she'll have conversations with different people who will say, well, I'll tithe when I can afford to. Mm. You know, they can't. So it's interesting hearing the different mm. takes mm. on it. Yeah. Because the nature of humanity, we always want 10% more than we've currently got. So we've never got enough to give. That's and, uh, right. We, we've got an app that we use for our kids' pocket money. And in that app, you've got a saving thing and we call it Tithe. And so each of my kids, they get their pocket money and automatically 10% comes out. They're very aware that their spend money is quite a bit less than their Tithe money in the, in the app. And, and uh, it's really nice watching them. They, um, they're, they're saving up. Uh, to help start a building fund for our church in England where we were. So it, it's been nice using technology to teach them because I think one thing with tithing is it's become so invisible. We're not passing around a pot. We're not seeing the $50 notes rolling out of it um, because it's all happening in the bank. I, I said to Matt last week, imagine if we actually got the equivalent of our you know, tithe and actually popped it in a bowl. It would be quite a substantial mm. view of cash. Um, but it's invisible, especially to our kids, unless we're talking about it. And I really want our next generation to know what it means to tithe. It's not some nice job. I want them to be able to see it. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, I've I got to say, this, it, it's, it's countercultural. I've got a, a mate in Canada who gave me a book about why tithing, why you shouldn't tithe, hmm. uh, and why you, and, 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 and 
it is we live in a generation now which is about making up your own mind tithing is an act of trust isn't it it's, it's a it's a you're trusting god and you're trusting the church both of which are not normal mm. sorry paul you were going to say something yeah i was actually just thinking i've never thought about the um the example you set your kids with internet banking or internet tithing because for me it's easier because i don't have to go and get stuff so it's just a convenience thing for me um but I've never actually thought about the example of how you teach your kids to tithe. How do you teach your those around you to tithe if you're doing it? And you know, and this is where it's the whole thing's done in secret. But then some um, African American churches, for example, they make a big song and dance about the plate and putting the money in the plate. Like they they are so they're so grateful to be giving to God, and everyone knows. And it's just like, hmm. but you know, it's just our Western culture is so. No, this is this is the one thing I can control, which Matt talked about before. Is this in time? And no, no, I, I can control this. No one else is in, in this world. It's just me doing it. And I think that does happen with tithing. But it's interesting, like I said, that I never actually thought about um, little kids and how do you show them to tithe. Hmm. Yep. Yep. But, but okay. before we get on yep. the one on time, are we still on time versus tithe? Yeah, let's, yeah, there's a bit more here, isn't there? Oh, we just lost Paul. I think his battery uh, might have just dropped out. There's another. So he was talking about time and tithe because some of us are time rich. We have time to spare. Some of us are finance rich. We have finance to spare. Um, and it's often one or the other. <laughs> it's very rarely both. Hmm. Yeah. And um, it, we had a bit of a joke. You don't want to charge God an hourly rate for what you think your time is worth <laughs> and, then, and then clock that up as tithe. But there is something about giving generously of our time um, yeah. to those in need around us. To love our neighbour has to cost yeah. you, and it usually costs you in time. Yeah. So I, I think it's actually not a bad principle to think in terms of tithing your time and tithing your money and doing both. Mm -hmm. And to just to check whether ten percent of your time would be spent on other people and other things mm -hmm. that aren't about sorting out your house and your family and your job and mm. um what's 10 percent of 24 hours it's two and a half hours a day i'm going to cut out my sleeping time out of that equation oh, yeah, fair oh, enough. Yes. Okay, so so roughly how many hours a week would it be for you to tithe your waking hours what isn't that before tax and after taxing anyway <laughs> before sleep after sleep <laughs> now i'm wondering i'm not going to go down that line because it's um <laughs> I'm wondering if we should pause. Yeah. Can we pause this, Matt, and then get Paul back in here? Well, Paul, Paul's going to come and join us in here. Right. Uh, I think that I can a, do that here. Yeah, that's a quick trip. Here. Yeah, that'll work. All right, Paul, uh, you, you're about to say something really interesting, Paul. Hang on, I've just got to take my headphones out so Paul can actually hear what you're saying there, Dan. Uh, there we go, we're back, and uh, it's Paul and I here in the room. Yeah, yeah. Keeping your Keeping enough meter separation, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, you were just starting to say something interesting about time and tithe. Ah, uh, yeah, I was thinking about time and tithe, and I know quite a few people that try and say time is tithe, and um, and when Matt said it's both things you can control, and if you use one for the other, it's almost like I'm only going to give God half a tithe because they are separate things. One's a busy. One's actually physically going out there and one's using your resources. I think they just, to me, they are completely different. And I have had some 
robust discussions with people on whether they, they are the same thing, but I firmly believe they are completely different. Mm. Yeah. So Matt was just saying, if, if you could tithe your time, if we don't count sleep time, that would be about an hour and a half a day that you could tithe to others. Yeah, I see. In terms of, but it's, when you do a tithe of your time, it's not a bad idea. Like in terms of, yeah. So, so an hour. So you were talking about an hour and a half a day, seven. What's that times by like eight, ten hours a week? Yeah. Roughly, spent in giving time for the sake of the people around you, loving your neighbours, mm. connecting, doing things that don't move your agenda forward. Mm-hmm. That's probably not, it's probably not a bad guideline. I, I wish I'd thought of that before I. <laughs> and obviously that should be given to the church <laughs> i expect a lot more volunteering going on around here but if you think about that for example on a church service on a sunday that's what people actually do in tithing their time when they're up the back doing the cameras or the video when they're up yeah. the front seeing of all the people on a sunday morning the people that make the coffee are the most important <laughs> Good. It's on shaky ground there. I'm not joining that conversation either. Um, okay, next question. This this one was quite an interesting one. Um, how do you work out what your tithes and offerings are if you are a two-person household and have no independent income and the other person is not a believer? Let, let's make this a little simpler than that question. So what if in your household income that you that that your partner isn't a Christian what do you do about your tithe in that situation? Hmm. Especially if it's your partner who's the breadwinner. I mean, that's when it is really interesting. Have you got a, this, this is a more serious question, I think. Hmm. I, I had a go at it on Sunday. Hmm. And I think, well, I think from memory, what I was trying to say was it's important not to avoid the conversation, to, to do your best to have the conversation with your partner about, what you would like to happen hmm. um, and that ultimately God knows your heart and that's what he's more interested in than the outcome of that conversation hmm. um, uh, and uh, but ultimately you've got to you've got to work with within the context of the relationship you've got hmm. and and I think all couples will be I think there'll, there'll be a general acknowledgement, no matter who you are, that giving isn't the bad thing. If for some, if someone's not a Christian, then giving to the church may seem to be a problem for them. Yeah. And, and I think each each relationship will be different. But I, I think uh, that was my. I think they were some of the thoughts off the top of my head on Sunday as I was talking about. I think you can see from each of us. This is a like a deep, deep. Oh, that's um, that's a tough one. It's just—it's a real. Our heart goes out to people who go through this stuff because that's a real challenge. Um, it's interesting that the Australian legal system is in most of the Western world. They don't see income as belonging to one of the partner. It is shared equally be- between the two partners. You know, if you if you go through a marriage split, that money is halved. Um, the, our legal system sees it that way. But but um, yeah, trying to impose your views onto your partner is it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you go about that one. Any any other thoughts? I actually think it's it's one of these things that you know, like the tithe is the example, and we go back to that. But at the same time, I don't think God wants destroyed relationships or anything over it. So 
No. And it comes back to between you talking to God and your partner and just coming up with a, a solution. And, mm. you know, exact, it is, and it, it, it ends up being it is what it is. Mm. And you just trust God. And I, I think mm. that's why, you know, you, you can't, we talked about being legalistic over tides before. You can't be because there's always situations mm. which are outside the boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I would encourage is find someone you trust and talk to them about it. Mm. Pop, find someone you trust and pop the numbers on the table and know that the conversation won't go any further, but just to get a second opinion of how you're dealing with it, I, I'd encourage yeah. you to find someone to talk to about it because it, it would be a heavy thing. Definitely. And I like what Matt said on Sunday about how tithing is about the money you have control over. Mm. And I like what you just said now that just because there's one breadwinner doesn't mean that that salary is solely theirs. It is split mm. across the household uh, and whether or not that's a discussion that you have but don't avoid or if you're mm. given a certain allowance for your own personal use, mm. groceries, stuff like that, that maybe you tithe out of that. Mm. But I'm sure there are a lot of variables but suggestions and ways to discuss what other people have done. But I think, yeah, when you're not the breadwinner, it's it's more difficult to approach that because we mm. do sort of have that mentality, well, I earned it, so I have a say. In, and if mm. they are not a believer, that does make the conversation more complicated. Yeah. yeah. Great. We need to finish up pretty soon, I think. Uh, there was other questions about um, the practice of tithing is spoken of explicitly and regularly throughout the Old Testament. Believe me, I've just read Numbers and Deuteronomy. and um, um, But no, it's not in the same way in the New Testament. So ha have we already answered this question? Matt, you've thrown a few descriptions of how the New Testament yeah. addresses this. Yeah, oh, I think that that to discovering the direct link and the fact that Paul is pointing back to the Old Testament in 2 Corinthians 9 makes a big difference to me in my understanding. Uh, also, I quoted Jesus who said you should you should do the latter without neglecting the former in regarding to ties. He's, he's saying you should, be do, you should be doing it. That is in the New Testament too. Uh, and the principles of... Uh, the two principles that were attached to the tithes of supporting the widows and orphans in their distress and, that, and supporting people in their need uh, and supporting those who minister mm. are both directly spoken to uh, and reinforced and said, yes, this is a responsibility of the church and of the members of the church. Mm. So uh, I it's interesting for me to get to this point because about 15 years ago, I said that to someone. I said, look, Tithing's not really in the New Testament, is it? And and they didn't know a lot about it, but they said, didn't Jesus say something about it? And so that's when I I found that verse, and now I think I've, I've been on the journey for fifteen years, and I think my 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 view is still being moulded and changed. But I, I I'd be happy to sit down. I was left thinking, I if I had the time, I'd love to write a paper on it. Like I'd love to write a like put all the verses there and say this is where what it is saying but i do think mm. it's being spoken of in the new testament in a similar mm. kind of way and paul i'd like your opinion just on that bit the old testament new testament in a sec as well what the difference is but again in the comments write down books that you've read that you would recommend i'm sure some people have done the work on this mm. uh, i only write the ones you'd recommend we're not going to hear about the others <laughs> yeah paul um, what about you for me uh, the only thing um once again you know like I've looked at certain things and the only one that I go is different from Old Testament, New Testament is 
you know, as far as laws are concerned, because the Bible says that when there's no, the law is not being changed, it's still going to be there and it's still there in the New Testament. The law is still there, but it's just, it's more to realise that we can never, we can never get there, so we need Jesus. But the law is still there, so tithing is still there. The only one that isn't is when Jesus, and once again, changed the definition, I suppose, of what is a Sabbath, isn't it? Like it went from a day to spending time with God and continu continually being with God and spending time with God as opposed to setting aside a day for God. And I think that's, to me, so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, to me, tithing exists because it existed, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Great. We're, we're about to finish up. Is there anything you want to throw in before we, before we tie, the, tie the loose ends up? I guess maybe if we hear from everyone, what, what are you left with from engaging with it? Is there anything mm. that's out for you? I'm actually more interested in what Emily's doing. I, I like, I, I, I just, just because I, I look at the panel and I, I looked at the panel last week and it was three middle-aged men and I, someone's new on the panel who's not a middle-aged man. So. <laughs> well, I was just thinking that's exactly what I was about to say. I'm like, here I am sitting with three older than me, very established, grounded pastors, and I'm someone who's just turned 27 and I think there is, like younger people, I'm sure they struggle with this. And I'm sure we don't talk about it enough. And if it hasn't been modelled by your parents or you didn't grow up in a Christian home, it would be even harder. And I think there's a lot of pressure at the moment. Like it's so hard to break into the housing market, so hard to be a young person trying to turn yourself into an adult, if that makes sense, with those added things that come mm -hmm. the first time I went and had my tax return done when I became a teacher I was like this is too complicated I'm going to see a tax agent and he saw the tithe on my thing and he went what do you do that for that's a lot of money and you're a young person and I just thought oh but like isn't that what you like you're, just, you're supposed to do but I hadn't thought about it about how young like non-Christian people particularly must see the fact that you'd give however many thousands of dollars a year like just is completely abstract to the rest of the world. So I think you're dealing with the countercultural aspect of it. And money is a lot harder than time, but I think for younger people too, time is a difficult conversation to have because we will always be busy. And I think it's the one thing that Satan does to keep us from him, uh, from God and from serving in our church is to give us the illusion that we have a lot of other things that need to take priority. And I think it's it shouldn't feel like a burden, but it should also feel a little bit like a sacrifice. I don't know if I'm on the right track here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's currently yeah. where my thoughts are at. Hmm. That's gold. Yeah. 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 I, I want that answer to be the one that rings in people's ears. So my short one is I'm going to sit with my wife and we'll go through our papers and make sure we know what we're doing. Yeah. And, and have a heart of worship. Hmm. Yeah. Which we'll be talking about next week. The worship yeah. of, of your papers. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I think for me too, similarly, it's just I'm chewing it over and I think I'm, in a point of reevaluating a bit, trying to work out what this means. This is great. This is what I, I hope these follow, bless, and share conversations and practices will continually do as we keep coming back to them. Mm. It will be causing us in an ongoing way to reevaluate. So, how am I going with this? I don't think you get to a point with any of those follow, bless, and share practices where you go, Yeah, no, I've got that sorted. Don't even think about that anymore. Mm. Yep. How about you, Mr. Dare? I, I actually like being continually challenged on it. And, you know, when um, 
use the word um again. I don't like that. Um, Say <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> so once more just for fun. Go on. <laughs> I completely forgot where I was going. I like the challenge of this. And, you know, for me, this is probably one of the ones I've settled in my heart with God. But there's so many other things that it's just a continual growing. But all it needs is a challenge from someone else. You go, and it causes you to reevaluate. And I think that's one thing you need to continue to do is just reevaluate. Are you on the right track with God? Are you actually listening to God or are you starting to head off in your own direction? And that's mm -hmm. why I like the follow blessing care series we're doing, you know, on on the on it because it just forces you back to the basics and that reevaluation. Great. Brilliant. Great. Well thanks. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Come to church and have a listen to worship as well. Yeah. When you say listen to worship, you're not talking yeah. about just listening to music, but you will actually be preaching for the first time. What does it for the first time? What does it mean to <laughs> yeah, got you, got you. what does it mean to to worship God? And I'm not going to be just talking about music. Yeah, hmm. that only caters for one third of us, I reckon. Yeah, how do we worship God? So that's next week, and uh, we'll be back with the podcast next week too. Thanks, Brilliant. everybody. See ya.